welcome to the Golfing Mind, that podcast which talks about the game of golf in general, but the mental game of golf in particular. And uh, when I look back at the uh, well, over 60 podcasts we've done now, we don't, or I don't, get into too much detail about individual players or the tour, um, because I think there's a lot of great podcasts which are tour-based podcasts. And like most other people, I have opinions about who I think has got a good mental game. Um, and I think the mental game, which I've always believed is the difference that makes a difference because if golf was simply about skill sets, then the 10 players with the uh, 10 best skill sets would be the uh, 10 best players in the world. But that's patently not the case. And I really do love when you see players with... Uh, uh, swings which just totally contradict popular theory uh, and popular practice because I've long been of the opinion that the golf ball doesn't actually know how the club head got to it so it's what's happening through the hitting zone that's of critical importance so where you are at the top of the backswing uh, isn't necessarily the single most important thing in your golf game and the thing is to be comfortable uh, comfortable with your swing and if your swing works that I wouldn't change it. It's like, in a way, signatures. You know, um, we all have different handwriting styles, uh, but if we all try to write the same, and you see this sometimes, and to my American listeners, I do ask you to forgive me, but the number of times I meet Americans and their handwriting all looks the same. It's as though they've been taught this cursive style in school to a very uh, strict formula, where if you go to... Um, especially in Britain, uh, you get the impression that everybody's a doctor writing prescriptions because some of the handwriting's appalling. But it's very individualistic. And you can look at the handwriting and go, oh, that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so. And I'm sure in the world of golf, there are a lot of players who, if you saw a silhouette of them swinging, you know exactly who it is. And what I wanted to talk about today was um, the swing, but not the swing in the technical sense, but the swing in the personal sense. Um, and it comes down to practice, because I often ask people, you know, how often do they practice? Now, if, if I'm talking to someone who earns a living through golf, then there's no doubt they will tell me with a great degree of pride uh, how much time they invest in their game, be it the um, health and fitness aspect, or their time on the range, their time in the short game area, their time on the putting green. Uh, and it's very um, scheduled. You know, they'll say, I'm going to do, I'm going to hit 600 balls. I'm going to do three hours in the range. I'm going to do two hours in the putting green. I'm going to play nine holes. I'm going to Everyone has got quite a sort of a disciplined approach to practice. Now, I believe we need to practice, but I'm a great believer in feel. And... The reason I wanted to talk about practice today is because I will wager that if you're a, a fun golfer, you almost certainly don't practice with any degree of uh, attention to improvement. Now, you may think you do. Um, and if you're fortunate enough to belong to a golf club that has a good practice area where there's you know good turf to hit off and you're hitting it down to 
um, flags or to distance markers, then you have a, a great opportunity to, to practice with purpose, with real purpose. And I'll come back to that in a second. But what I'd like to just talk about is the average golfer. And the average golfer probably two or three times a year goes to the, uh, the driving range where they pay money to hire a, a bay. And chances are there's an automatic ball feeder that sort of tees the ball up for you. And I can't tell you how often I go there and you'll see someone come up with uh, the bag of clubs and they take out a cup, an iron and they hit a couple of shots, having not stretched or really warmed up. The next thing out comes the big dog. The cover's been yanked off the driver and attempted murder is about to be attempted as they absolutely try to knock seven bells, whatever that means, out of the poor ball. But what they're wanting to do is to hit it as far as they can. And they're not there to vent anger or they're not doing therapy and uh, on anger management, I hope. What they're doing is they're just trying to hit the ball as far as they can because there's a good feeling about that. When you rip one with a driver and it just climbs and climbs and climbs, you think, yes. But what have you learned? What can you repeat? And what was the purpose in the shot? Now, I don't know how often in a game of golf you tee up a ball and your only swing thought is, hit this as far as you can. And I would wager you never do that. It's maybe maybe once in a round playing against someone who's just hit a long drive, but you're generally trying to hit the fairway. And if you're a better golfer, you're trying to hit a particular part of the fairway. So I want you to think today about this. This is the takeaway. If you belong to a private club and you've got a great practice facility, then you really need to take full advantage of that absolute space because practicing isn't about hitting balls. Practicing is about testing and learning. Learning uh, new methods or new, or new ways of swinging the club or new swing thoughts and uh, putting it into practice. And I would rather to see someone go to a range and hit 40 balls in one hour, but give every ball the absolute attention they would give to the a six iron to the final green of the Masters when they've got a one-shot lead. You've got to give your full attention to the shot. And the problem with a lot of people when it comes to practice is you're not practicing, you're hitting balls. And you will very happily come away and say, oh, I just spent an hour and a half on the range. I just hit 200 balls. But how many golf shots to which you gave your full undivided attention, to which you looked at, stood behind the ball, stepped into it as though it was in a, a match? How many shots did you hit where you practiced as though you're really on the golf course? Because you have to take what you do on the range onto the golf course. And therein lies the biggest barrier to a lot of the young professionals I've met on the range, they're fantastic. I mean, they strike their five irons, six irons, seven irons, just with such precision, it's a joy to watch. Their drives look as though they're laser guided. You go into the first tee and suddenly you can see a degree of discomfort. Suddenly, ooh, it's real. Now there's other golfers who don't enjoy practice famously, uh, Colin Montgomery and Jack Nicholas were never big fans of 
the range. They just love to compete. They're people who have got great competitive juices. And I've heard some amazing stories about them playing just random games with sort of a, a pro-ams where they play their hearts out to, to not be beaten by whoever they're playing against. So what I want to look at or to give you the takeaways as follows. Practice on a golf is like going to the gym. It's like following a, a diet. It doesn't work immediately. But if you're serious about improving your, your game, I would recommend if you can have access to and get lessons from a PGA or a professional teacher of the game, or if you can't find a professional teacher, someone you really trust. Um, the second thing is work on one thing at a time. When you go to the range, have one thing you're trying to do better or you're trying to apply. It can be balance, it can be a more upright swing, it can be a flatter, whatever it is. But practice one thing at a time. Secondly, unless you're just trying to warm up and loosen up, stick with one or two clubs. You know, just stick with one or two clubs when you're trying to learn. When you're trying to, what I call practice in general, change a club every time you play if you want, because that's what you do in a golf course but you must practice with purpose. And when I'm at professional tournaments and I see uh, golfers, male and female on the range, you know, they may talk to their buddies, they may talk to their coach, their caddy, whoever, but when they get over that ball, you can see a switch being flipped and that's it. And that's not something you can learn to do. It's something you just have to do. So I would really encourage you, whatever level you are, is to practice. Even if it's like once every month, go to the range with a purpose and don't hit 100 balls necessarily, hit 50 or 40. Sometimes I go to the range and I hit 40 balls and people go, you come all the way and hit 40 balls. And I go, well, I'm trying to, to work on one thing. So I give every shot my full attention. This creates the habit of full attention. And what we do in the gym, we can take into the, to real life. What we do in the practice range, we take onto the course. You know, I speak at conferences, uh, I've done all over the world, and people say to me, oh, I really enjoy your speech. It just seems very relaxed. It feels as though you're talking to me. Uh, it's a great gift you have. And I go, yeah, well, thanks very much. I don't tell them of the hundreds and hundreds of hours of practice I put into constructing the talk. Uh, delivering it at, uh, in rehearsal spaces, normally my shower, and uh, making a, a conscious effort to, to work out cadence, rhythm, timing, all those things. Obviously, when you get up to speak, you're improvising. Obviously, when you go to the golf course, you won't be a robot doing exactly what you did in the practice ground, but it will give you a foundation or a structure to build from. One other area is putting. It is the single area of the game <clears throat> where we can see and experience the most rapid improvement. And yet it's an area of the game where I think is probably most neglected by the amateur player. Buy a putting mat, put it into your bedroom or your living room or your office and get used to practicing putting. And the difference it'll make will be extraordinary. You might find that hard to believe, but if you can save two or three shots around, then guess what? your handicap's going to come down two or three shots as well, which uh, can't be a bad thing, can it? 
Anyway, I normally finish the podcast by saying, if you're serious about developing the mental game or improving your golf, please go to seegergolf.com. Uh, I have a number of courses on the mental game. I have a number of books published. You can find on Amazon. And um, if you have any questions, please drop me a line. I'll be happy to reply personally if I have the time or on the podcast. So until we meet again, play good golf and practice. You'll enjoy it. What more do you might imagine? I promise you. All the best. Thank you.